Hallelujah. How many people believe that Jesus has the name above every name? Is there anybody that believes that this morning? Come on, let's give him a shout and a cheer. We believe Jesus. You have the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That's what the Bible says. One day every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus because his name is above every name. And it tells us this in heaven. All of the angels, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how great they are, all the saints of old, no matter what they've done and all of the wonderful testimonies that they have that the scriptures record, they will happily and gladly bow the knee. Why? Because there is none in heaven like Jesus Christ. There is nobody in heaven, even though heaven is full of wonderful men and women who have believed God and done incredible things in their generation. There is one who has the name above every name. There is one that is unlike any other, the sinless Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in heaven, every knee, every knee will bow in glad adoration of Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be. What a wonderful day. We will be there bowing the knee. I tell you something now, there will not be any resistance in heaven. There will be just gladness and joy and, and, and inc incredible bliss as we bow the knee and as we, as we cast our crowns before him. But it goes on from heaven, it says, and on the earth every knee will bow. There will be a day, there will be a day in the future of our world where every man, woman and child that has ever lived will come before Jesus Christ. It seems incredible, impossible and even beyond belief. I know, it really does. But the Bible, the Word of God does declare that even on the earth every knee will bow. And that means men and women and governments and politicians and countries that have resisted him and not accepted him and rebelled against him and, and denied that he is the Savior. Even they, they will. They will bow the knee. And it goes beyond heaven and earth and into an invisible world, even in hell. In heaven they will bow, in, on earth they will bow, and even into the lower regions of hell. Every form of existence will bow the knee because there is one who is worthy. There is one who God has given the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. I think we should applaud Jesus this morning. We're here. We are here because of Jesus and for no other reason other than to praise his name, to give him thanks and to honor him. There is nobody like him. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Fantastic. Oh, I had to get that out. It was in there, so it was going to come out. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, this morning, keeping with this um, theme of prayer, I want to encourage you from the Bible, from God's Word, regarding this whole area of prayer. Prayer is something that sometimes gets a bad advertisement. 
when we, when we mention, you know, that, you know, it's important to pray, very often it conjures all kinds of images of getting up, like Faye said, early in the morning and struggling and striving and wondering whether you're going to get an answer. Prayer, in lots of senses, conjures up lots of negative ideas and lots of, lots of um, areas that we want to stay away from. But the Bible encourages us to pray. And if we went around this room this morning and asked people if God had ever answered their prayers, I'm sure that there would be so, so many wonderful testimonies that we could, be, that we could listen to and be amazed by. When you look at the Bible, you can see that people prayed and God answered in incredible ways. The Bible, in one sense, is a book of testimonies. It's full of amazing testimonies where people cried out to God in a time of need, in a time of difficulty, and then suddenly God answered their prayer. Sometimes it took time. Sometimes it seemed as if God wasn't going to answer. Sometimes the pressure was on and it seems, seemed as if God was far away. But then suddenly, swiftly, God would come and answer their prayer and a miracle would occur. I believe that God wants to encourage us to pray because he wants to come into the issues possibly that we face. I, I believe that God wants us to pray because he wants us to see incredible things that we ask for. Jesus said, whatever you ask for, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. It sounds so easy. It sounds so immediate. It sounds so responsive. But very often when we ask and when we pray, there is a period of time that we have to persevere and wait and Lots of times because we don't get an immediate answer or we don't get an immediate result, in our minds we think that God isn't listening. In our minds we think that our prayer, our cry has gone on deaf ears. But it hasn't. It really hasn't. It just means that God is going to answer your prayer in a way possibly that you don't expect him to answer it in. It really does. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As far as the heavens are from the earth, so far are his ways and his thoughts from our thoughts. So when we pray, we are coming very simply and asking God and crying out to God. But the answer is going to come in maybe an unexpected way. And we mustn't box God in. We mustn't close him down. And we mustn't get disappointed when our prayers may not be answered in the way that we expect them to be answered. But they're going to be answered. I want to encourage you. You see, God is telling us to pray because he wants to come into that impossible situation. He wants to meet you in it. God is asking us to pray because he wants to come into that darkness that everybody else has run away from. That everybody else has told you that you have got to just put up with. That you've just got to get on with life and you've just got to, you know, take it as it is and live with it. There's no answer. There's no solution. There's, there's, there's no way through. 
But God wants us to pray, and he encourages us to pray because when everybody else has run away, when everybody else is gone, when nobody else can advise you in the way that you need advice, God says, come on, involve me, pray. Ask me to come in. I want to meet you in that darkness. I want to meet you at that point of impossibility that everybody else has said it's not going to go away. I want you to ask me in. I want to be involved. I want to be involved. I think it's amazing that God actually invites us to pray. The God of heaven. The God who threw stars into space and set the sun and the moon on its course. The one that created the heavens and the earth and everything that is contained in them. It's this God that invites you and me to a conversation with him, to pray and to ask him and to, and to bring our issues before him. He really does want to be involved. He really does want us to see wonderful answers for the specific prayers that we pray. He really does. I want to read to you just from Luke chapter 18. And this chapter, part of this chapter is about prayer. And it's Jesus talking to his disciples. He wants to help them with the challenges that they're facing. He wants to help them with the uncertainties that are going to come in their futures. He wants to give them instruction and advice for life. How many want some instruction for life? some guidance to get through and to go on by. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to verse 8 says this, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Men and women ought always to pray and not lose heart. An incredible statement. I don't want us to rush over that. I want you to get that in your spirit. I want that to be in your mind. I want it to be something that you meditate on. Because here Jesus is saying, listen, in amidst all of the variances of life, there are things that are going to cause you to lose heart. There are circumstances that are going to come that are going to be like a bully, like a school bully that you run from that you're afraid of, that you, don't want to, that you don't want to face every day because he comes or she comes with their taunts and with their gang and you're there on your own and they're just beating you up and you, you've, just, you've just lost heart. There are issues in life just like a bully that plague you and haunt you. And, and you know, it, life is, is, is the same for, for all of us. The pressures and the uncertainties and the variances of life we all face. And very often, when life comes like a bully and when issues come, or when you've, when you've tried your hardest and your hardest is not good enough, it's easy to lose heart, you see. And just accept life as the way it is and put up with it. Jesus said, here we go, men ought always to pray. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Is there an issue today in your life? It's like a bully. Is there an issue? Of course there is. Is there an issue today that you think, do you know what? I'm worried about. I'm worried about my money. I don't have enough money. It's a real concern, a real issue. Is, is your body changing and you've, 
you've, you've got sickness and pains in your body and you don't know what's going on. There can be 101 issues in our lives and in our future ahead that cause us to lose heart. There are stubborn, stubborn problems, stubborn circumstances, stubborn crises. Uh, crises that are, that are like cycles that come at certain points in the year and you begin to set the calendar by it. Well, it came at this time and uh, 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 in this place last year and I'm fearing Christmas because Christmas has always been a time where I've, where I've, I've feared and, and I've, I've had a, a black cloud of depression and I don't know why it comes in December, but in December it comes and you begin to note it in your calendar and then not only is it in December, but it's in mid-year as well. Problems that are stubborn and are like a cycle. And you just begin to lose heart and accept it. Jesus says to all of us, don't lose heart. You ought always to pray. Prayer is your way through. Prayer is your, is your way to victory. Prayer is your way to triumph. Prayer is your way to seeing God control your circumstance, not your circumstance controlling you. And I've had times in my life where I felt like that little boat on a dark ocean being tossed about by the waves of the sea, out of control in my mind with fear and depression. And I've said it to you lots of times, and anxiety. Jesus said, Dave, are you going to lose heart here? You see, he'll get up in your face. He'll get up in your face because he wants the best for us. Are you going to lose heart here, Dave? Are you just going to sink down in depression? Are you just going to listen to that evil, vicious, condemning voice? Are you going to listen to that all day? Dave, how many, how many more hours are you going to give it, Dave? I, I remember walking down Lower Dock Street. And I, you know, I was having a tough day in my mind. And I started, you know, feeling sorry for myself and crying inside. And, oh, Lord, the devil is, I've said this before, the devil, can't, can't you hear what he's saying to me? Have you ever had a day like that? No. Maybe one or two. No, we've all had days like that. You know, because the devil really hates the amazing plan that God's got for you. The amazing future that he's got for you. I remember saying, oh, can't, can't you, can't you hear what he's, he's saying to me? And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, I can hear what he's saying to you. Why don't you speak back to him? He's speaking to you. Why don't you speak back? Confront the voice. Confront the accusation, confront the negativity, confront the condemnation, confront the fear, confront the depression, not with your word, but with my word. Man, when the Holy Spirit told me that, I thought, my God, I'm going to do this. And within, do you know, within minutes, that help and that advice from the Holy Spirit, that conversation suddenly set me free and I began to deal with that bully that was bullying me, that was following me and pulling me down. That's what prayer does. Men ought always to pray, Jesus said, and not lose heart. The amplified version of, of verse 1 says this, different translation, but it just begins to broaden the picture for us. Verse 1 says, also Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. And not turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. 
Maybe you've turned coward today over that stubborn, aggressive circumstance. And listen, don't feel bad about that. I could tell you a million times where I've just turned coward and run away from the circumstances and the pressures of life. It gets hard to live life sometimes. It gets hard with all the pressures that we face. But Jesus is saying, come on, you can do this. You can do this. You can pray. You can involve me. You can ask. You can cry out to me. What did David say in the Psalms? He said, I cried to the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. That's a man praying. That's a man that was desperate. That was a man that was cornered by the bullying circumstances of his world. But those circumstances led him to cry to God. And that word cry is a real sort of descriptive picture of an animal that's wounded. And that's just crying out in pain to another. It's those kind of prayers that God answers. He answered me and delivered me from all my fear. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart, faint, cave in, or turn coward. Pray. Don't let the circumstance pressure you. Is it, is it finance you need? Is it prosperity you need? Is it a job you need? God wants to be involved in every single area of your life. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. There's no doubtful promise. There's no promise that's hanging, looming over our lives. He wants us to take hold of it through prayer and see it and bring it into being. Not cower in or faint or cave in, but pray, but pray. And then he begins to illustrate this statement by telling them a little story. Jesus, absolutely incredible, the Savior of the world. If there was somebody that could baffle us, it would be Jesus, God made flesh. But I love it how God just comes down and he begins to talk on our earthy level. Isn't that great? He's not a theologian. He doesn't, you know, use all of these highfalutin words. He just tells them a story. And he says, there was, a certain sit there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So Jesus opens it up. He wants to instruct the disciples. He wants to empower them to live life. He wants them to reign over the circumstances they face by saying this to them. You ought always to pray. Don't lose heart. Don't cave in. There are going to be times where things are going to get heavy, but pray. Pray, because God's going to answer. And then to show them the power 
of the statement that he's just made, he begins to tell them a story about an unjust judge and a widow. Now, these two personalities, these two people that he uses in this story that he speaks to them couldn't have been more extreme to each other. The judge was powerful. Jesus says this judge didn't fear God nor regard man. He had a reputation of doing what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, and he didn't have any regard for God. He didn't care. He wasn't a holy man. He wasn't a God-fearing man. He wasn't a man that had values. He lived life in the way that he wanted to live it. He didn't fear God. He didn't regard man. That was the reputation that he had by the actions and the life that he led. So a very powerful person that Jesus uses, a very prominent man. And then you've got this little widow, the symbol of weakness. She hasn't got a husband. And widows of the time of Jesus were poor. There was no system of taking care of them. And the Bible doesn't tell us that she had anybody that she could rely on. She had an adversary. There was a situation in her life that was stubborn, that was, that was closing her down and pushing her back. And limiting her greatly. It was an impossible challenge that this widow faced. And she couldn't get any, any solution or any answer from anyone. So not knowing the character of the judge, she goes to the judge thinking that this man would be just. She didn't know that this man wouldn't avenge her adversary. She goes to him and, uh, you know, first time off he says, get away. You know, you're a widow. Who are you? Who do you think you are? I'm not going to avenge you. I don't fear God. I don't fear man. I'm certainly not going to answer the request that you are coming to me with. Now, remember that the context of this story is all about teaching us, right? Teaching us about the power of persevering, patient prayer, prayer that's unrelenting, Prayer that will keep on. Prayer that, that, that will be stronger in, in the storm. Stronger in, in the problem than any other trait in our lives. And the judge, on initially meeting this woman, has no regard for her. But then over time, you see, this woman keeps coming to the judge. She just keeps asking the judge to avenge her adversary. And, uh, you know, maybe after five or ten times, still he's stubborn. Still he, he concludes that he isn't going to do anything for this woman. She's nothing. But then the judge, the judge begins to change. His mind begins to alter. And he begins to say to, to himself, I must avenge her adversary lest she weary me. I must avenge her adversary lest she weary me, that by her continual coming she weary me. Now, this is an incredible situation, that you've got a man that doesn't fear God, you've got a man that doesn't fear any person, but this widow woman is bringing about a change in a very powerful man. A weak woman, a woman that is the symbol of powerlessness, is changing the, the powerful, stubborn, proud character of a man that has no regard for anybody. This judge begins to say, I must, let me read it to you. It says, and 
he would not avenge her adversary for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I must, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. There's an amazing picture in the Greek language in that sentence. And the picture is this. The persistence of the widow was beating the judge black and blue. That's what it means to to be wearied. It means to be punched, to be kicked, to be hit, to be struck with force to the point that you're bruised. That, That you, the powerful one, the aggressive one, are now becoming the weak one. That is, that is what this, this persistent widow did to this judge. Her simple persistence drove him and ground him down in his attitude to the point where he said, she, this woman is going to end up killing me. This, the persistence of this woman is going to end up putting me in my grave and therefore I have to avenge her adversary. I have to do something about her request because I'm being worn down by her persistence. Then suddenly Jesus takes hold of the story that he's telling to his disciples and he says, will not God, will not God avenge his own children, his own elect who cry out to him day and night? Because God is not, you see, like the unjust judge. God regards man. God regards you. God regards the prayers that you are praying and are going to pray, and he is going to answer them. Now, Jesus does say he may, he, he may take time in doing what he's going to do, but as long as we pray, we can be assured, we can be assured that God is going to answer our prayers. Amen? Amen. Recently, I was praying for a situation in somebody's life that is a serious situation. And um, my heart was heavy for the person. And up out of my spirit came these words. Lord, I beg you to change this situation. I beg you to change this situation in this person's life. And the whole, you know, it sounds plausible to beg God. It sounds, it sounds right. But the Holy Spirit brought correction to me to help me. And not only help me, but to help the person that I was praying for. He said, don't ever beg me, be bold. And he reminded me of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where the writer tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. Come boldly. It doesn't say come as a beggar. Come as a beggar. Dave, I want you to come groveling. I want you to come in on your knees. I want, I want you to lay down front 
prostrate before me and beg and howl and demean yourself. No, God says, come boldly before me. And suddenly it caught my spirit and I began to be bold about the answer that I wanted in this person's life. I said, Lord, I want you to give them long life and satisfy them with your salvation. Lord, I want them to be blessed in their home and outside of their home. Lord, you said that I am the Lord that healeth thee. I want them to be healed and made whole. I'm not begging you about this. I'm being bold. This is what I want. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into a place where we're confident about the prayers that we need to pray. That we're moved with compassion for people. That we're not praying coldly, but our heart is aching and breaking for others. And on the basis of a, of a heart that's breaking for our friends and our family, we come boldly before the throne of grace, not to beg, but to be confident and bold with our expectation of prayer for others. That's what God wants. God actually wants us to persevere in prayer. God wants us not to give up. Even on our family and friends that have, that have you know, it, it would seem on the outward that they're, that they're not going to respond to your invitation. It would seem on the outward that, you know, there's not any hope for them ever to receive Christ as Savior. Well, prayer can change that. Prayer can change it. It really can. Prayer can change anything. It makes ordinary people extraordinary because God comes into the ordinary of our lives and does something wonderful and supernatural. He really does. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're out of time this morning. Just a short word to encourage us in our way forward in what we're doing. We ought always to pray. And not lose heart. We ought always to pray. And not faint. Give in. Or grow weary. Go before God in that prayer time. You can go in weary. You can go in faint hearted. But somehow he'll come in and give you strength. He'll come in. And give you. The necessary wisdom to pray. In a way that you wouldn't have known before he came. Remember it years ago now in South Africa, walking down a street, worried, depressed, anxious. And um, I used to pray this Bible verse and think about it from Philippians 4. Make him up on the screens. Philippians 4. Let me see, verse 5 to 7. And Paul, encouraging Christians like we're doing this morning, said this, Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You're not called to live just a natural get-by life. God loves you so much that he never wants you to have a minute, have a moment of anxiety in your life. Now, I'm not saying that I'm there. <laughs> far from it. But I'm telling you now, as far as God's concerned, he never wants us to have a worry fear. He never wants us to be anxious. He never wants us to have a depressing day because of all of the wonderful provision he's provided in Christ Jesus. 
And I remember really wrestling with this, this, um, this verse. And I, I began to speak to God. I said, how is it you can say be anxious for nothing? That's ridiculous. Be anxious for nothing. My life is full of anxiety. And that word means, that word anxious means to actually fall to pieces. And my life was falling to pieces in fear and in worry and in concern. But sometimes you've got to go through the tough stuff and the hard stuff to really meet your Savior. You've got to get to that wall that nobody can help you get across so that you can meet Jesus, that he can take you through and break the wall and break the, the, the obstacle and bring you on through. And I remember walking down that street. I'd been praying that and confessing that and wondering about that verse for six whole months. Be anxious for nothing. And I, I, I just learned it off path. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Still anxious when I was praying it, still worried, still concerned, still feeling lonely. And then suddenly, it was a hot sunny day. My foot was just about to go off a curb and touch the tarmac of the road. And the power of God hit me. The peace of God came into my mind. My heart found a new stability and comfort. All of the worries was washed away. All of the anxieties went. And my prayer was heard. Are you worried today? Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Are you depressed today? Are you, are you fearful today? Are you, are you lonely today? Men ought always to pray. And not lose heart. Are you looking for a for a, a life partner today? You've gone here, there, and everywhere. Men ought always to pray. Bring God into it. Bring him in. Involve him because he'll answer in ways that we can never imagine. I'm telling you now, and that scripture became, it became not just something in the Bible that I read, but it became a testimony of my life. There's been many times where I've been worried and anxious since. Many times where I've felt a day of depression. But I've gone to the anchor. I've gone to the bedrock of that promise and said, Oh God, you helped me in South Africa. You got me out of that situation. You brought me into your peace. You comforted me. You can do it again. And suddenly he comes in and does what no man or no woman could do. He's wonderful. We ought always to pray, he says. We ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart over your friends. Don't lose heart over your family. Don't lose heart over your children. Pray. Pray. He's going to do it. He's going to do what you ask him to do. You may not believe it. I tell you now, just give him a little chance. Give him a little opportunity to come in and you will be amazed persevere. Don't give up if the prayer doesn't you know, happen by the end of the week. Commit yourself to a year of it, two years of it, ten years of it. Be so resilient in your spirit. Draw on the spirit of Jesus within your spirit to make you tenacious and persistent like that widow that you are not going to give up no matter how unjust the situation is, no matter how powerful or aggressive that opponent is. Be so persistent that you're going to beat that thing black and blue and 
God will avenge the cries of his children speedily. He's looking for faith. He's looking for perseverance. He's looking for an unrelenting spirit. I tell you something now. He wants us to be strong when it comes to prayer. The Bible says in James that it's the prayer of righteous men and women that avail much before God. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to our prayers. Everything is possible, Jesus said, to those who believe. Ask and it shall be given. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall be, you, you shall find. I tell you now, the Word of God, the Word of God, when believed, when taken hold of by the people of God, it's incredible what can happen. It's exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. It's time, church, to get a hold of that living Word, to see and unlock its power. It's time, church, it's well time to realize the revelation of God and to begin to unpack what's loaded and packed inside your spirit because the Holy Ghost is in you. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh my God, when somebody takes a hold of that sword by faith and begins to declare it in the presence of God, boldly, nations can change, towns can change, cities can change, whole communities can change. It just takes one or two or three or four to take hold of it and not let it go like a dog with a bone and just wrestle with it and pray it through. My God, great things are ahead of us, church, but we've got to believe the Word of God. We've got to take it and say, it's mine. The promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Get up on your feet, church, and give Him praise because this is our year. This is our year to see the Word of God realized in our lives, in our families, in our cities. My God, He's going to change this city because Jesus Christ deserves the honor and the praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise in this place. We worship You, Jesus. We give You praise. 